Hello, friends, and welcome to 1,000 Words, Stories on the Way. My name is Matthew Clark. I'm glad you found your way here. I've got a special guest to share an essay this week, and I'm excited to tell you about that. But first, I want to mention that I'm putting together a long weekend retreat, June 14th through 17th, in Cincinnati called Cofferstow. And I'll be revealing the first speaker, first guest speaker, uh, this Friday, the 15th, on Instagram and Facebook. Also, cofferstow.com is updated now. Uh, I put a lot more information about the retreat, so like where it is exactly, uh, when, the, the cost, um, how the accommodations work and the meals, and a little bit more about um, kind of the themes and the ideas of like what is Cofferstow about. So, uh, so I'll read this. This is a short description from the website. Uh, Cofferstow is a small gathering of fellow pilgrims called to rest in a restless world to be surrounded by the most beautiful story, to be renewed in our imaginations by the Holy Spirit, and given courage and vision to creatively manifest the kingdom of God in this world. So check out cofferstow.com and stay tuned this Friday to find out who the first special guest speaker will be. Uh, Okay. So on to this week's episode. So this past fall, I got to play a house concert at my friend Amelia Friedline's place in Kansas City. She and her friend Hannah hosted. And then after the concert, we just got to hang out for several hours. And we had some really great conversation. It was so fun just to talk to them. And then they sent me on my merry way with a little gift bag of goodies that had... uh, locally roasted coffee and granola and some really nice chocolate. And then there were also in the bag some self-published books of poetry and writings and photography that Amelia had made. And then this Christmas, she put together another collection of photos, poems, and writings into a little book called No Forgotten Grave. And she was kind enough to send one out to me. Uh, Amelia describes herself uh, instead of Newfangle, she describes herself as old-fangled, says she grew up 50 years before she was born. Uh, She's a lover of all things British. Her website says she is a wielder of butter, which I respect that. I respect respect the butter, y'all. She is such a creative and thoughtful soul, and I really appreciate the way she is. uh, She's really careful to stop and pay close attention to little beauties in the world. She seems always to be ready to notice and report on the good things that uh, I think slip slip past most of us most of the time. So I've been reading these booklets that she's published, enjoying Amelia's writing, and I decided uh, I'm just going to ask her if she'd ever be interested in sending an essay over for this podcast, and thankfully she did. Uh, oh, also, we're both huge G.K. Chesterton nerds, so I was really excited when her essay, you know, hearkened to his writings. His his writings always make me, uh, they always kind of wake me up to wonder at this world, and they also stir this uh, kind of deep ache for that living beauty from beyond the world, which is the life of the Trinity, uh, 
where we belong. So, thank you for tuning in today to 1,000 Words. I want to welcome Amelia Friedline with an essay titled, Homesick at Home. I am sitting at the kitchen table, looking out over the backyard absentmindedly with a slow Friday morning cup of coffee. The day is gray, overcast, damp. The bark of the trees is dark as if with rain. My eyes slowly focus on the trunk of the black walnut tree directly opposite me. Something is different, strange. The bark looks like it's weeping. And then I notice three fresh, light-colored ovals where yesterday there were long, magnificent branches. The power company's tree trimmers have been at work. I realize with sadness that they've cut off the only limbs I could ever reach. Now I want to weep, too. I've looked out this window during more than 30 years' worth of meals, during essay writing, cookie baking, jam making, pea shelling, during family game nights and dinner parties, through solitary reveries and tears. I know the moods of the morning light and when the deepening dusk will finally force us to turn on the overhead lamp. I know these things without consciously knowing them, because this is home, the only home I've ever known. And yet... On the tip of Belfast Loch at the edge of Northern Ireland sits a sturdy house of whitewashed stucco with green and gold crenulated trim. An elevated walkway connects the larger wing to Blackhead Lighthouse, perched nearly on the brink of the cliff. Beyond that, the sea. My parents and I stayed there for three glorious October days a few years ago. My mom had always dreamed of staying in a lighthouse, so we were all excited about the visit. But from the moment we stepped over the threshold, I knew I was somehow home. Inside the house, it was all dark woods and creamy walls hung with cruel embroideries, antique prints, and paintings of ships and the sea. Pale light streamed in through tall, thick-paned windows, and in every room there were countless cupboards to explore. My room upstairs looked out over the loch, and every morning I saw the blazing sun rise out of the water. Magic fairly oozed from the keyholes, and even the books stocking the shelves were some of my favorites. I called it The Kingdom by the Sea. We left the morning of my 29th birthday. Blackhead Lighthouse and its keeper's cottage belonged to the Irish Landmark Trust, but a part of my heart will always belong to it. For men are homesick in their homes and strangers under the sun, and they lay on their heads in a foreign land whenever the day is done. G.K. Chesterton 
As much as I love my home with its kitchen window and view of the black walnut tree, sometimes I have a burning desire to be anywhere but here, to be off seeing new lands or retracing the paths of previous adventures. Yet, when I have been away somewhere, there is nothing better than the quiet delight and satisfaction of coming back home again. Why is this? G.K. Chesterton was a man who deeply understood the paradoxical feeling of being homesick at home, of the strange longing that pulls us away from comfortable firesides and familiar faces and sends us searching for something, something, though we don't know quite what it is. In Chesterton's novel Man Alive, the madcap character Innocent Smith at one point says, But don't you see that all these real leaps and destructions and escapes are only attempts to get back to Eden, to something we have had, to something at least we have heard of? Smith sets off on a journey around the world so that he can come home again. Along the way, he meets a man living alone high in the Sierra Mountains and tries to explain the reason for his strange journey. I have become a pilgrim to cure myself of being in exile, he says. The other man replies that his grandmother would have said that we were all in exile and that no earthly home could cure the holy homesickness that forbids us rest. Smith thinks for a moment, then says, I think your grandmother was right. I think that must be the reason, the secret of this life of man, so ecstatic and so unappeased. But I think there is more to be said. I think God has given us the love of special places, of a hearth and of a native land, for a good reason. The hermit of the High Sierras doesn't quite understand this, so Smith continues his explanation. I mean that if there be a house for me in heaven, it will either have a green lamp post and a hedge, or something quite as positive and personal as a green lamp post and a hedge. I mean that God bade me love one spot and serve it, and do all things however wild in praise of it so that this one spot might be a witness against all the infinities and the sophistries, that paradise is somewhere and not anywhere, is something and not anything. And I would not be so very much surprised if the house in heaven had a real green lamppost after all. He has put eternity into man's heart, says the writer of Ecclesiastes. Our first parents enjoyed perfect beauty and belonging together with God in the garden before the fall. Surely that memory passed on to their children. It may be, then, that our discontent is a witness of the eternity in our hearts, an echo of Eden. It may be that our homesickness at home is a signal of our soul's hunger for heaven, and it may be that the particular places we love and cherish here in this life 
our tiny taste of the exquisitely personal place our Lord has lovingly prepared to bring us home to. I don't know what my house in heaven will look like, but I wouldn't be surprised if across from the kitchen table is a generous window through which all the shades of eternal daylight will pour. And I wouldn't be surprised if, out in the garden reborn, there's a black walnut tree with limbs low enough to climb. Thank you, Amelia. I want to close here with two short poems from Amelia's book, No Forgotten Grave. I think these both get at that feeling of making a home in this world in the way that even our homes here call us like through and beyond themselves to this home that we wait for. So this one is called A Wooden Floor. I once saw a photograph of an old farmhouse kitchen with a wooden floor painted robin's egg blue. It was faded and worn in spots from a tireless tread up and down and round and round the table. I tried to imagine the woman who worked there baking biscuits, churning butter, mixing, kneading, shaping, baking the bread, the wood fire in the big stove scenting the walls with smoke. I could almost see her, sleeves rolled up to the elbows, hair pulling loose from heavy braids, the beginning of crow's feet gracing the corners of determined eyes. When did she last see the sunshine spill over her blue wooden floor? Then I'll read this one, too. This is called A Place for Planting Trees. A bit of earth, a garden wall, a red-leafed maple in the fall, a little house, a silver birch, a branch where baby robins perch, a wooden floor, a hearth fire burning, a haven for a heart's poor yearning, a candle's glow, a gentle breeze, and a place for planting trees. Check out Amelia's website, innocenceabroad.com, where you can read more of her stuff, and you can also find her on Facebook and Instagram as well. So I just want to give a great big thanks to Amelia for sharing this week. I really appreciate the work she put into it. So that's all for Episode 7. I'm Matthew Clark, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.